0: Today's scripture is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now when the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. So I had a hard time deciding what I was going to preach on this morning. Uh, You can go a lot of different ways with the scripture that we read. It is Trinity Sunday. The scripture talks about making disciples. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Trinity Sunday. Well, we're going to talk a lot about Trinity Sunday. And then we're going to kind of talk about how that affects us. Because I think that in order to go and make disciples, we need to work on ourselves first. So, last Sunday was Pentecost, the birth of the Christian church. Today is recognized by Christians as Trinity Sunday, a day that's set aside to celebrate the triune character of our God, Father or Creator, Son and Holy Spirit. It's a confusing doctrine, the doctrine of the Trinity, and it usually leaves worshipers and um, scholars rather frustrated. Trying to express the mystery of God who is three in one tends to leave us a little tongue-tied. It's like the lady who wrote to Reader's Digest telling about an experience that she had taking a young girl from India to church with her. It was the 11-year-old's first exposure to Christian worship. The young lady's parents were traveling on business and left her with their American friends. The little girl decided on her own that she would go with them to church one Sunday, and when they returned home, the host's husband asked her what she thought of the service. Well, it was good, she said, but I don't understand why the West Coast isn't included. When they inquired what she meant by that, she said, Well, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the whole East Coast, Yep, it is hard to understand, but we use those familiar words in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost to baptize our children, to marry our spouses, to bury our dead, and to celebrate our sacraments. These words are a part of the worship and ritual of every Christian body on earth. The symbols for the Trinity are confusing and varied also. The first representation of the three persons placed together was found in 4th century art and consisted of the hand, the lamb, and the dove. Another symbol for the Trinity is a circle inscribed with an equilateral triangle. But there's a British author called Sarah Maitland and she writes, although many of us have grown up with st. Patrick's cloverleaf image of the Trinity three leaves making up one cloverleaf there's always room for new imagery as well my favorite model of the Trinity is that it's like a child's pigtail if the Trinity is seen like a braid three equal strands smoothly interrelated there are some advantages First of all, you can tear one of the leaves off that clover leaf threesome and leave the other two still related. But if you pull one of the strands out of a braid, the whole thing will collapse. So if you're thinking about a Trinitarian God, this threefold revelation makes perfect sense. And obviously the same thing applies. You can't have any two of the sources without the third, because the whole thing would fall apart. At times when braiding, she goes on to write, it's important to look at the whole braid and check that the hair has been reasonably and accurately divided into three. So, both the Orthodox churches of the East and the charismatic movement have suggested that perhaps the mainstream churches of the West have become too focused on Christ, the second person of the Trinity, making the pigtail somewhat lopsided. In the same way, I'd suggest that perhaps we'd allowed the strand of revelation in creation to get rather too skinny, that God's role as creator and sustainer of the universe needs to be given some extra weight. Interesting thoughts by Sarah Maitland. All this should give us some hint into the workings of the triune God. God is whole. God is fully formed and perfect. But God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is also known separately. But they aren't lopped off parts that look incomplete, but individual parts that sparkle with their own purpose the Trinity has been found to be a convenient designation for the one God self-revealed in Scripture as father or creator son or Redeemer and Holy Spirit or sustainer God is really beyond the categories where we humans really understand and think but what did the early church mean when it spoke of God in three persons The word person came from the Latin persona. And originally it referred to the mask worn on the stage by actors in a play. Because of the masks, actors in the Roman theater could play several different roles, just changing their mask. And so God also plays several different roles on the stage of human history. God is creator. God is redeemer. God is sustainer. Now we know about different roles, and we might say that the doctrine of the Trinity describes God's progressive efforts to get closer and closer to us. God seeks to be in relationship with us, and we can be in relationship with God And we tend to be in relationship with God through the part that we feel most comfortable identifying with. Although the term Trinity isn't used biblically, there are indications of the Trinity used throughout the Bible. Paul understood what it meant to have a relationship with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the most elaborate benediction found in Paul's letters, and it's known as the apostolic benediction. It's a description of an experience that was central to Paul's life. It reflects Paul's relationship with God in each role. For Paul, it began with the grace of Jesus Christ in which his experience was rooted. It was that grace of Jesus that sought him and found him and forgave him on the Damascus Road. The grace of Christ made real to Paul the love of God. God was no longer a judge or a lawgiver, but a father in whom holiness and love were one. And then through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying that he shared God and Christ with others. The name given to the church at Pentecost was The Fellowship. It was a new divine creation, a community that was knit together in fellowship with each other and with God. Then think a minute about Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And I think that Nicodemus represents those in the world who are curious about Jesus and the life of the Spirit, but they view it from the outside, staying safely away, looking in. Jesus told Nicodemus that if he really wanted to experience the kingdom of God, he himself would have to undergo a change of community and identity. He would need to be born anothen, both from above and anew. He would need to undergo a spiritual transformation. It's little wonder that Nicodemus could only stammer, how can these things be? Nicodemus was challenged to know God and be in relationship with God, the three-in-one God. The Trinity helps us to know what God is like. There's a little a story of a little girl who one day asked her daddy, "Daddy, what is God like?" The question sounded innocent enough until the father actually tried to put his answer into language that a five-year-old might understand. Finally, he gave the answer which most fathers have used at one time or another, go ask your mother, yes. She went to her mother and with the question, mother, what is God like? The mother soon realized that she didn't have an adequate answer for her five-year-old either, so she said, honey, Why don't you ask your Sunday school teacher? The little girl went to her Sunday school teacher with the same question. What is God like? The teacher said simply, why don't you ask your father or mother? The little girl thought to herself as she left, if I had lived with God as long as my father and mother and Sunday school teacher, I think I'd be able to tell a little girl what God is like we are called to be in relationship with God. As Christians, we've walked with God, many of us for lots and lots of years. Have you ever thought much about your experience with the Trinity? Our experiences are all different. Some of us relate very well to God as Father or Creator. Others feel a strong bond with Jesus and still others with the Holy Spirit. In my own experience, I knew God from a very early age, but God was the creator of the universe. God was far away. I learned many stories from the Old Testament growing up, and even though I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that God loved me as a parent, I always considered God to be quite stern. Sometime when I was in elementary Sunday school, I had a teacher who introduced me to the idea that Jesus could be like an older brother. Since I was, an, was the oldest child, and I had always wanted an older brother, I thought, well, this is perfect. I love that. He'd be there to protect me and to be my friend. What I didn't realize that much later, until much later, was that the concept of Jesus as my brother helped to make God more personal to me. And I was able to develop a more personal relationship with God. Now, when I was young and being raised in the United Methodist Church, there wasn't much emphasis on the role of the Holy Spirit. I was in college and attending a prayer and healing camp sponsored by my annual conference before I was introduced and began to understand the work and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. Through the years, I've learned much more about the Spirit's guidance. And I know that God has a plan for my life, just as God has a plan for each of your lives. And I seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit To fulfill that plan the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit have been something I've come to rely on especially at times when I'm making difficult decisions or when it seems as though my plan might not be the same as God's plan a few weeks ago I shared with the worshipers at Wednesday night communion some of my story and I repeat a little bit of that right now I grew up in Michigan, surrounded by lots and lots of family. My mother had a huge family, and we got together a lot. And so that was the way that I grew up. I just had lots of family, cousins around all the time. I had a lot of friends because we lived in one house all the while I was growing up. And we would play kickball games on the street and ride bikes. I met my best friend when we were five and were still best friends. And then I found out as I was going into high school that we were moving to Illinois. That was the most horrible thing I could ever think of having happen. It was, however, through that move and being in a new church that I got my first call to ordained ministry. However, due to circumstances that were not mine, but I believe in God's own timing, it would be many years later that I would finally answer that call. I ended up in California. I met Lynn and we married and had our children. I vowed I would never ever make my children move like I'd had to do. I went to seminary, and I was appointed as an associate at a church, my first church. I was in heaven. I'd finally fulfilled God's plan, and I was ready to stay put all the rest of my life to serve God there and to never have to move houses or churches again. We had several career, what they call career associates, in our conference. And I was content to just be one of those. But God, God had other plans. I received a call from the district superintendent who asked me to take an appointment as a solo pastor at a church about um, 30 minutes away. Lynn and I prayed and prayed about it and came to this, the decision that this was part of God's plan. Our son had already graduated from high school and was in college, and our daughter was in her last two years of college, and I, I mean, last two years of high school, and I would not uproot her, so I commuted back and forth to the church every day so that she could finish her high school years where she was. And then we moved to Ramona, where I served. I planned on staying there at least 10 years. I loved the church, I loved the people. But then our son-in-law, Dave, was accepted at UVA to an MD-PhD program. And you all pretty much know the rest of the story, don't you? So they came to Virginia for him to be a part of that program and we knew at some point in time we would be relocating because our son at the time was in St. Louis. Everybody was on this end of the country, so we would probably relocate. That was our plan, and it seemed like a reasonable one. But we began praying what God wanted us to do, and we found that God had a different plan. We visited the East Coast at Thanksgiving of the year that the kids had moved here, and both of us found possible jobs, everything began falling into place, and we moved to Alexandria the following summer and lived there for four years before moving here after our first grandson was born. And now here we are moving again. This person who never wanted to move after she became an adult. Now, I tell you all of this because it's my relationship with God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that has caused me to grow and to change and to trust that God will be there, no matter where God calls me to be. It's been the love of God, our creator, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit that has enabled me to do what God calls me to do. And that same strength is available to each one of us. Part of the joy of living in Christian community like we do is that we are able to share our experiences with each other. Perhaps you don't know each of the Godhead. Perhaps you don't know any of the Godhead very well. What's been your experience? Not your knowledge of, but your experience with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A young woman reflected on her journey of faith, and she stated, I got to know God through the three persons of the Trinity. I first encountered God as father in church, where I learned that God is holy and deserving of my worship. Later, as a teenager, I became acquainted with Jesus, a man I wanted to follow for the rest of my life. And then, it was almost like a second conversion, I became aware of the power of the spirit of God living inside me. Perhaps one of the best descriptions I've heard of the Trinity is this, three toll-free numbers that are never busy. Our devotion to God includes all three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The God above us, the God before us, and the God within us. How is the Holy Spirit working in your life? How do you relate to the Father, Son, and Spirit? Let us pray. God, we thank you for your presence with us, and we thank you for the fact that you want to get closer and closer to us all the time and so you seek ways to do that and all we need to do is open our hearts to you and let you in and let you work in our lives to make us be your disciples to make us be better disciples so that we might reach out and make other disciples for you. Fill us with your spirit, now and always. Amen.